Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Am I the only one that kind of feels like this is sort of a weird weekend? We wrap up the show here on this Friday, moving into the weekend. And to me, this weekend feels a little bit weird. It's not game time yet. That's not for another couple of weekends. And yet it's also not Christmas either. It sort of feels like it should be something this weekend, but it's kind of not. We're sort of in that sort of before time prior to Christmas and then prior to the college football playoff. Now, some of you probably like me are like, I'm actually glad it's not Christmas yet because you got more shopping to do, more stuff to get ready. And if that's your case, then I certainly understand that in a lot of ways, I guess. I'm kind of right there with you, at least to uh, one degree or another. But it just sort of feels like we're kind of biding our time here. Early signing periods, not until next week. The big games, not until a couple of weekends after that. Christmas is also, you know, a few days from now, too. So we're kind of in that sort of weird time, just sort of waiting for it to all happen. So let me do my part to help you pass the time here today. And in light of the fact that we're kind of in that sort of, I guess, early time here. We're going to be a little bit casual today, a little bit laid back. And there's actually a number of different topics I kind of want to hit over the course of the next few minutes. Let me start with this. I think when you look at the two teams in the Peach Bowl, Georgia and Ohio State, I think that you see two teams that are constructed about as differently as you can be. Now, they're both similar in the fact that they're as big as it gets. Like Ohio State is this giant macro program in the Big Ten. Georgia's kind of the version of that in the SEC. The future of college football is sort of SEC versus Big Ten. We have an example of that with these two teams playing each other on December 31st. So in terms of the scope of the two programs, there's some similarities between Georgia and Ohio State. But when you kind of get under the hood, things start to feel very different with these two teams. Kirby Smart and Ryan Day, from a philosophical standpoint, would almost seem to be like counter opposites of each other, that they're the you know maybe the opposite side of the coin in comparison to each other i would say that ryan day has embraced sort of a finesse brand of football to ohio state they may not like that label but that certainly seems pretty apparent to most of us who've tried to watch the buckeyes closely over the course of the last few years and pretty clearly kirby smart has made it obvious that the number one i guess proponent or should say component i guess the word i'm looking for the number one component of the strength and the success that georgia has had is the toughness and physicality that Georgia has shown it really needs to, that that's really kind of been what's propelled Georgia to success. And Ohio State, the success that it's had, has been kind of propelled a little bit different way. So the two coaches, Smart and Day, very different. That means the two teams they lead are going to be very different too. However, with all of that said, there is at least one thing about these two guys that is apparently very similar. In these early practices leading into the real crux of the game preparation, You certainly get the impression, based on what the two coaches have said this week, that both Kirby Smart and Ryan Day have taken a similar approach to all of this. Let me start with Kirby Smart. Now, the question here that Smart's about to answer is related to the injury status of guys like Ladd McConkie and Warren McClendon. But in leading into that, Smart also gave you a little bit of a window into how Georgia has been using its practice time as of late. And it's probably, if you've listened to Smart closely over the years, the sort of thing you would expect him to say, this is Kirby Smart talking about what Georgia has been doing with its practices leading into, I guess, that final couple of weeks before the game is being played. This is Kirby Smart from this week. Uh, we've been practicing, so we've not, not, not specifically for Ohio State, we've been practicing um, to maintain standing shape and, uh, and, and making sure our guys uh, are ready sharp physically and ready to do things so we've kind of been practicing ongoing and 
This is one of those things, and like I said, in that same clip, Kirby went on to talk about the injury status of McConkie McClendon. We've actually already played that audio for you here this week on the show. But this is one of those things that if you hear Kirby Smart uh, in a situation like that, you've actually heard him repeat that over and over again throughout the years, especially at the beginning of seasons. You know, when Georgia has one of these high-profile opening games, week one games against uh, Oregon this year, Clemson last year, Uh, One of the things that Kirby's really adamant about in that time in August leading up to the game is, oh, we don't start working on Clemson. Oh, we don't start working on Oregon. We don't start working on whoever that week one opponent is too soon because I think that Smart has said you can kind of peak too early. You kind of burn out on the preparation for an opponent if you start trying to spend too much time uh, getting ready for all of that, that we really work on ourselves. And Smart says that over and over and over again, he has repeated himself so much on that point that you're led to believe that's really important to him. It's really important to a lot of times smart kind of uses these media sessions as a way of speaking through the media to his team. And when he says this over and over again, you're left to conclude, well, this must be something that really matters to him to convey to the team of, Hey, it's more important to work on ourselves than is to work on what it is. We're going to see from whatever opponent we're playing to begin a year or in a situation like this, in these extra weeks leading into a game like this against Ohio state, more important to work on ourselves. And what's interesting here as much as we talked a moment ago about how Ryan Day as a coach just feels incredibly different than Kirby Smart does, his overall approach with the Buckeyes right now has seemingly been pretty similar because we just heard Kirby Smart say, hey, we're working on practices. We're staying in shape. We're staying in sharp, you know, trying to stay sharp. We're trying to be the best version of ourselves we can be. Well, uh, Ryan Day, when he had a similar media session here this week, kind of said the same thing about the Ohio State practices, too. Apparently up in Columbus, they're approaching things right now very similar to George. This is what Day said earlier this week. Yeah, inside of three weeks now, um, we talked about it uh, going into that um, that final weekend and then coming out of it, um, you know, just a refocus. And um, I think our practices have been spirited so far. I think the guys have uh, really had good urgency about them. I think they, they, they have a good feel for what this is going to be like um, and just the electricity and how important every play is going to be into this game. So um, we're still in the fundamental phase. We're going to start making the transition into game planning here soon, and then we get down to, to bowl week. So we have three phases when we walk talk about bowl practice. But, um, you know, the, the energy has been, been really, really good, and, and guys are finishing up finals now, and, and now it's just going to be all football. So I told you we're kind of laid back and casual today. I want to use the two clips we just heard to make kind of a simple point here is that when you hear two very different coaches, Martin Day, saying something so similar, I think you're left to conclude this, but the big game that's going to take place on December 31st, that both coaches believe that the key to victory is not figuring something out about the other side. Even though we would say that Ryan Day is a smart coach, and I don't necessarily love the way that he approaches his you know, you know, know, job sometimes, but there's no doubt that Ryan Day is smart for what he's trying to do. And I think that the Ohio State folks would say the same thing about Kirby Smart, that he is smart for what he is trying to do. These are two sharp coaches. But the key to victory here is not smart defensively figuring out something that's some sort of Achilles heel for Ohio State, nor is it Ryan Day figuring out some sort of vulnerability that Georgia has. That's not maybe what the key to victory is here. It's about both sides trying to determine – hey, what can we get a little sharper at? What is maybe, you know, an area in which we can show just a little bit of improvement or go back and kind of tighten up, sharpen up? What can we do to make ourselves better that gives us the edge towards victory? And that may be the way this is decided. 
that if you're a Georgia team and you say, hey, you know, we just came off a SEC championship that although we won it by three touchdowns, we gave up 30 points. And a lot of that was big passing plays through the air late in the game, kind of garbage time when it was already decided. Well, what if that area of pass defense is shored up? What if that area of pass defense is cleaned up? Well, at that point in time, if Georgia is able to use these practices, these sort of fundamental work on ourselves type practices, if they're able to use that to clean up that area of the passing defense, well, you would imagine that Georgia then becomes very tough to beat in a Peach Bowl that's coming up. And on the flip side of that, for Ohio State, who kind of also had its own issues defensively against Michigan, throwing a bunch of bodies at the line of scrimmages to try to stop the run, and yet ultimately that made them way more vulnerable through the air. Well, if they could get that cleaned up, they could sort of be a better version of themselves than they were against their hated rival Michigan. All of a sudden, Ohio State becomes more dangerous in a game like this too. You would have to acknowledge that. So the point here is, is that when you hear the two coaches saying what they're saying, you are left to conclude that that may be the pathway to victory for either team. He's an, either an easy win for Georgia because they do sharpen up right now, or Ohio State becoming more of a threat in this game because they figure out a way to be better in some aspect than they were in the one game they lost against Michigan. Interesting to hear two very different coaches saying so much of the same thing. Now, with that said, let me kind of shift gears to something completely different here for a moment. We continue to be in the aftermath of what has turned out to be a little bit of an interesting controversy related to Todd McShay, the ESPN draft analyst, who uh, earlier this week really, I thought, unfairly maligned and kind of maliciously attacked uh, Jalen Carter, the uh, great George defensive star. You know by now what McShay said, at least most of you do, talking about character concerns, and yet we've heard over and over again uh, Georgia players coming to Carter's defense. People who know Carter, going back to his time growing up in Apopka, Florida, they have uh, uh, you know kind of come to his defense on some of this too. That there is that there's pretty clearly a pushback on what McShay is saying here, and McShay thus far has offered nothing to substantiate the claims that he's made. And I think a lot of us were kind of frustrated about this when it first came out because it sort of seems like this stuff happens with NFL draft conversation all the time. I've told you before. I think the draft pre conversation the conversation that leads into the draft is typically pretty gross because you have a lot of this kind of stuff going on where the sort of national names the 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 sort of star reporters when it comes to this kind of stuff or espn or wherever else they just run with whatever some front office person tells them whether, whether it's true or not the, the the reporter wants that access to the key decision makers and so they'll literally parrot whatever as a way of doing that it's easy to kind of view this situation with mcshay and assume that's kind of maybe what's going on here and this is unfortunately just too much of an example of how business gets done this time of year but i have noticed this it sort of seems like this thing has blown up a little bit more than sometimes these things do one of y'all had sent me this i was going to try to play this in the show and i went back trying to find it today and i couldn't find it in my mentions but even like paul feinbaum was talking about that this week and i always have this sort of theory about paul feinbaum which is is that Feinbaum is a very survey-oriented radio show. You know, typically speaking, they're only talking about quarterbacks and head coaches in the Feinbaum show. You're not talking about linemen. You're not talking about linebackers. You're not talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about like the the 10 or 20 most famous people in the SEC, and that's about all that ever gets mentioned in the Feinbaum show. So if something like Jalen Carter being criticized by Todd McShay shows up with a caller on the Feinbaum show and if Paul Feinbaum is showing an awareness of what happened here and he actually showed some you know kind of spoke out with some criticism of McShay to me that leads you to believe that okay this particular story is kind of cutting through the clutter right now this particular story is kind of becoming more of a thing than the typical hot take from a McShay or a Mel Kuyper sort of ends up being 
And I think now the ball is kind of in McShay's court. For those of you who wanted some pressure to be put on Todd McShay, I think some of the media stuff you've seen over the last couple of days does put a little more pressure on him. He's either got to stop saying this, which I believe he probably will, or he's got to offer some sort of you know, substantiation for the claim, some sort of substance for the claim that he's making, which I don't believe he can do. So for those of you who want some sort of pressure on McShay for what he said, I think you're about to get that because this just sort of feels like the kind of thing that sort of got noticed a little bit. And you can't just keep saying the same thing over and over again now if you're McShay without offering something for it. Does he retract? Does he apologize? Most people on TV don't ever really seem to do anything like that. But does he have to move off of this if he can't back it up? At that point, maybe so. And that may be what's about to happen here. So you've seen uh, Feinbaum talking about this. You've seen other media voices sort of speak up and talk about this a little bit, too. So for those of you who did not want Todd McShay to get away with this, you may eventually get your wish. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us. A lot of ways to watch us on video, 945 at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of our video platforms, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast. Apple, Spotify, everything else in between. Uh, just so happy to have you as a part of our program here today. We have a big show for you coming up. We've already gotten off to a pretty big start here. And, of course, all of this would not be possible without our friends at Kroger. We are so grateful and so thankful for to have as a part of what we're doing. And told you before, it sort of feels like we're in that kind of weird pre-weekend. You know, it's not quite Christmas yet, not quite uh, Peach Bowl yet. Well, listen, as you're getting ready for Christmas and getting ready for all the fun that goes with that, the gifts and the, the parties and the big holiday meals, family getting uh, getting together and all of that our friends at kroger want to be a big part of all of that with you uh, in fact you get great savings right now as you make great memories this christmas holiday season with kroger right now you can save up to 30 percent on christmas lights wrap decor and so much more so all of that right there uh, at, at kroger go to kroger.com slash holiday for more on this that's kroger.com slash holiday you can find out how to get great savings here this holiday season right there at kroger and so merry christmas and happy holidays to all of you and we certainly appreciate the great things going on at Kroger for all of that. All right, today, something really important is going to happen. We're going to talk to Jeff Sintel. We actually haven't talked to Jeff in kind of a live format in a couple of weeks here, but this is a big week to be able to do that because we're actually leading into the early signing period, which obviously starts next week. And so as a preview of National Signing Day, we're going to talk to Jeff about some of the big storylines that are out there. Jeff obviously also had a big story, Dog Nation, this week. Georgia kind of moving off of and moving away from five-star running back Justice Haynes. Haynes seemingly content to enroll at Alabama. And so what does that mean for the future of Georgia at running back? The, the guy that you're bringing in uh, and Roderick Robinson, the rumors about transfer stuff. We'll talk to Jeff about all that and a uh, lot more. And also, Georgia and Ohio State getting ready to battle in the college football playoff. It also seems like they're down to the wire battling for a five-star recruit as well. So there's a lot to talk to with Jeff Sintel. We're going to do that here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, how about Around the Doghouse? And it's presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. I want to give you a couple of brief notes on the college football playoff here for a moment. Ohio State has revealed its jersey for the game coming up uh, on December 31st. Now, to my eyes, it looks sort of similar to the thing they always wear. I guess this is a big deal to Buckeyes fans. But let me show you the jersey on the screen here. Uh, so a couple of things that do kind of stand out if you're watching on video for, for me on this. First of all, you see the Peach Bowl patch there. And I, I, I guess I knew this. I didn't really think about this. This is the first time that Ohio State's ever been in the Peach Bowl. Kind of speaks to just the difference in these two programs. Georgia and Ohio State have only played one previous time before that 
the conclusion of the 1992 season. Ohio State coming to Atlanta for a bowl game for the first time. That gives you an idea of that. The other thing here is, and I don't have the ability to, to, to zoom in on this, but I wish I could. Uh, you see that diamond swoosh if you're watching this on video. You know, Georgia's a Nike school. Ohio State's a Nike school. This is the thing I love about the college football playoff. When Georgia, you know, shows up in Atlanta with those red jerseys on, I want you to notice this. Is the Nike thing here has like the it's it's almost like a diamond hologram looking thing it's like shinier and more sparkly than normal and it's exclusive for the college football playoff i remember when i first saw that on a georgia uniform in 2017 how much i love that this is one of those weird things as a sports fan you just sort of notice weird stuff when you switch over to the college football playoff uniform you got that shiny nike swoosh as a part of the playoff i just love anything that kind of reminds you you're playing in a bigger game than normal and you know the nike logo there on the playoff jersey is an example of that you'll see the two teams kind of wearing their nike windsuits or uh, around you know town in atlanta and you'll kind of see the same thing on there just anything that kind of reminds like when i was a kid with major league baseball when they put the bunting up for the playoff like the red white and blue stuff that you kind of hang around the stadium i used to always love that just anything that lets you know you're playing in a bigger game than normal in this particular case the uh the nicer shinier logo exclusive for the playoff teams i love to see that i don't even mind seeing on the ohio state jersey just because kind of let you know that you're kind of heading for something pretty big here when the dogs take on the buckeyes just the kind of stuff i notice i guess uh one more thing i want to give you here too uh one of the spokesmen one of the guys involved with uh the mgm grand which is a big uh betting house when it comes to uh sports gambling and things like that has put out some trend information or at least some betting trend information about how the public is responding thus far to georgia and ohio state i want to show you this and give you a couple of uh, key indicators here that right now according to a to a bet mgm there's some love on georgia that john ewing is one of their guys and ewing puts this out that the most bet game so far uh, going into bowl season ohio state georgia right there at the top along with tcu michigan kansas state alabama florida oregon state and then rice and southern mississippi as well which is sort of a strange thing uh georgia right now is the uh, top team in terms of the uh, ticket count and they're also the uh, most bet team in terms of a money uh, count there as well when you look at uh, the uh, six and a half point spread in fact john ewing also says that right now georgia is getting 87 percent of the uh of, of the total bets right now in their game against ohio state with georgia being a six and a half point favorite so what do you do with that that thus far at least according to one betting house uh john ewing speaking on behalf of bet mgm the mgm grand at least at one betting house georgia getting a lot more love than ohio state a couple things to remember here is there is almost no sharp money at least if, if this is like most years there's almost no sharp money coming in on this at all right now we're still several weeks ahead of the game uh so the you know the the biggest sharpest betters have not weighed in at all yet on the college football playoff and also this is a little bit like the ncaa tournament where there's a chance that like really true sharp money doesn't get involved in georgia ohio state at all these are two teams that are on national tv each and every week you know the idea of a six and a half point spread is probably a pretty tight line i think most people would probably say if ohio state was completely healthy maybe the line's a little more narrow than that but six and a half is probably not the kind of thing right now that anybody who considers himself sort of an edge player is getting involved with whatsoever this upcoming weekend you know bahamas bowl myrtle beach things like that that's where like the sharper action gets involved the kind of game where the public says 
I don't know the motivation of these teams. I don't know who's playing. I don't know who's opted out. I don't know how interim coach is going to perform. That's the stuff the public runs away from. They run towards Ohio State, Georgia, because they've seen those teams on TV. And the obvious sort of edge player, professional better, the professionally minded better is running more towards the games in which you know, the average person would say, I don't know what's going on here. That's where the 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 sharp better sort of finds his edge. So not only have we not heard edge players, sharp betters weigh in on Georgia, Ohio State, there's a chance they actually just kind of don't. This is a little bit like the NCAA tournament where, you know, you see a lot of action from sharp betters on NIT games and early round NCAA tournament games. By the time you get to the final four, that's when a lot of the edge players have sort of tapped out and said, I'm not involved in this anymore. And you may see some of that with the college football playoff uh, that that this is just one of those examples where you don't have to bet every game and the people who think think of themselves as the smartest may stay away from the more high profile games and all this plus and also as kind of an explanation for why Georgia at least according to this one betting house is getting so much love right now Georgia's 13 and 0 Ohio State lost its most recent game that's as in some respects when it comes to like the tourists people sort of showing up on the weekend the, the people just sort of throwing a couple of dollars down that's sometimes all you need to know for why the public is responding to Georgia the way that it is right now. It's undefeated. Ohio State just lost, and recency bias kind of controls the moment there. So we'll try to give you an update here on how this maybe evolves over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks. But early action here shows some love on Georgia. And I guess my sort of final point on all this is <sighs> these same people, by the way, were not in love with Georgia at the beginning of the season, right? Because uh, Georgia was ranked behind Ohio State in every single poll both the kind of made-up stuff and the official polls there, too. And certainly the betting public seemingly wasn't falling all over itself to pick Georgia win the national championship. But somewhere along the way, you know, these same yahoos have now decided that they love Georgia and they hate Ohio State. So kind of funny how that happens over the course of a uh, season, almost in an about-face in terms of the way that these two teams are perceived. But right now, at least according to the, uh, to the MGM Grand, a uh, lot of folks falling in line to uh, support Georgia minus the six and a half points against Ohio State will alert you if any of that changes in the time to come. And that is around the doghouse presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And maybe you like betting on the uh, big game coming up between Georgia and Ohio State or not. But here's one thing you don't want to bet with. You don't want to play around with. You don't want to put any kind of risk with. That's the uh, great uh, insurance, uh, I should say, uh, real estate agent that you choose to help you navigate whatever real estate thing you have going on right now. That's where our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services get involved here because they believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. What that means is is that when you have a big thing coming up in life, new job or new family opportunity or when you look at what can make you happier in sort of the next phase of your life, that you know, you know, on the on the horizon here, sometimes that involves a real estate decision. It means selling the house you're in right now to move to a new home that's closer to that job or that family or that whatever. And that's where our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services can step in because these guys are and gals are transaction experts. They understand what's at stake here when you go under contract and how you get that contract to the closing table and how you get a satisfactory outcome and get that new home you've been looking for. Maybe it's a commercial thing for you you've had a home-based business something like that now it's time to get the storefront now it's time to make that investment into a commercial real estate property or you're ready to invest in a income producing property like a you know a rental property or something along those lines whatever your real estate need is our friends at berkshire hathaway home service want to help you and support you on all of that so find out more about them today by checking out bhhsgeorgia.com that's bhhsgeorgia.com for our friends at berkshire hathaway home service it's great to have them presenting around the doghouse with us here today 
All right, so it is bowl season. Uh, bowl games beginning today, kind of rolling through the weekend. And after that, you're talking about either a bowl game or a NFL game for like the next 18, 19, 20 days. You know, I mean, we got football every day now for the next little bit, including like there's a game like 1130 today. There's a game like middle of the afternoon on Monday. Like we just got football at all times now for the foreseeable future. So we'll preview some of that for you. But the most important thing for us to preview right now, early signing period begins next week. Dogs in line for some key decisions, but also there's some transfer stuff out there, too. So let's figure out what's going on here right now. As we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Jeff Sintel here. Great to be talking to him live once again on the road, assisted by AAA. And as I said before, we've got a lot to preview with Mr. Sintel here. And Jeff, a lot of this will be related to early signing period that begins next week guys that are getting set to begin their georgia careers going through some bowl practices and things like that that's always fun this time of year but i do want to touch on something before we get there and that's how the transfer portal is impacting all of this because as we said on yesterday's show you can't help but notice there's some interesting rumors out there involving you know some some potentially pretty big names in the portal we've seen rara thomas the mississippi state wide receiver he has visited georgia he put that on instagram we know he was here there's been some talk about dominic lovett the uh, missouri wide receiver who i believe has also taken a visit to georgia at least that's what the internet would lead you to believe uh you see uh, Dion smoke Bowie. that's a guy we talked about a ton you know last year uh who ultimately made the choice to go to texas a&m but now he's back on the market again it seems like you know georgia might be a factor here there's marshawn lloyd the uh running back uh from south carolina who at one point in time had been a target for georgia uh jeff before we get into the uh, high school guys about to begin their college career how about some of these big names that were once recruiting targets of georgia that are in the transfer portal where do you see uh georgia on some of this here right now yeah hey brandon good morning i hope the christmas tan is still holding up strong um, let me see if I can sound like a, a, a perfect plug man, pitch meister like yourself. Um, talking transfer portal here, we know this. We know Georgia could take up to two wide receivers in the portal. Uh, you mentioned the young man from uh, Dominic Lovett, who he was visiting yesterday. Everybody sees Ra Ra Thomas. Folks, everybody's visiting Ra Ra Thomas right now. He is like the darling of the ball. Um, I think he is, he's, he had Texas A&M. He had uh, Ole Miss. He had Georgia the week before. I mean, so everybody's kind of targeting Ra Ra Thomas, and that's a young man out of Ufala, Alabama, the state of Alabama that kind of got away. Everybody likes that SEC production. I got one for you, Brandon. I saw a player pop up earlier this week on the transfer portal that, you know, we can expect skills to show up. One of the things you really rarely see, Brandon, is you rarely see a defensive lineman. Um now, I don't know how far down the road Georgia will go with this young man, but a young man by the name of Keyshawn Silver, don't know if you remember that name, Brandon, North Carolina, uh, 2021 five-star defensive lineman. He put his name into the portal this week, and it's very rare you see that type of, you know, six foot five, 270-pound, really agile athlete type guy go into the portal. The other, the other shopping needs, I think, I think Georgia will probably try to find, look for a, a veteran pass rusher if they're out there. Guess what? They're not out there. But I think another, another position we've, we've kind of targeted, and I think you kind of hinted at that with Smoke Bowie, was a safety position. I think Georgia would try to find a little bit more athleticism at the safety position. 
Um, that's a guy, Dion Smoke Bowie. I don't have any problems about uh, Smoke Bowie uh, and, and, you know, whatever happened with his decommitment, his Texas A&M. We all know that that was kind of tied into Nick Williams there a little bit at Texas A&M. Um, and so, you know, for me, there, there's those down south Georgia roots that I don't even think a year – and I, I'm kind of trying to draw a laugh here, Brandon, a little bit. But yeah. I don't think a year – at, at Texas A&M is kind of going to really kind of kind of pull that out of them. It's kind of not going to it's not going to take away that toughness and that mentality of of working for so many years coming up out of South Georgia. Everybody thought he was an athlete uh, coming out of uh, coming out of high school. Brandon he kind of fancied himself as a receiver. Sometimes I always saw Smoke Bowie as a straight DB, a straight safety, and it would be very interesting if all that lines up uh, with with him going forward. It's kind of funny, the transfer portal now, I, I can't imagine the, the, the bonkers madness of the job where it seems like so much of the, the modern-day college football coach's position and station now is roster management. And yeah. it's not only recruiting, it's, it's retention, it's inducements, it's sweeteners, it's portal guys. And, you know, heaven forbid, you're almost punished by winning a lot of big ball games when you still have bowl practices going on right now. Um, it seems like a team like, you know, Kirby Smarts, Georgia, maybe not needs a lot, maybe just, you know, basically ice cream and cherry on the top type stuff for their roster. But, man, it makes it difficult this time of year. Well, I'll say this about Bowie. You have two kind of distinct camps on this. On the one hand, you had people when he did go to Texas A&M were like, this won't last a year. I'll be in the transfer portal and I'll be in that at Georgia. And lo and behold, that's exactly what, you know, may happen here. He's at least in the transfer portal and we'll see what happens after that. And the other part of this is there are people, and I caution against this all the time, Jeff. I tell you know Georgia fans, you cannot have thin skin when it comes to recruiting. You can't get your feelings hurt real easy, whether it be Justice Haynes going to Alabama or Smoke Bowie going to Texas A&M, that of course you want to be in the fight down to the end for a great player. And if he says no to you the first time, then come back and try to get him the second time. But you know this idea that you're going to get your feelings hurt and pout and say, well, if he didn't want to come here the first time, I don't want him this time. No, that's not the way this works. No, that's not the way this works. That uh, you, you cast a big net, you ask a lot of folks to uh, join up. Some will say yes, some will say no. And if somebody says no, you dust off and you move on and you uh, go fight the next battle. But occasionally you get a second chance at one of these, and that may be what's happening here with George and Bowie. But the, but the point is, is that for the coaches who are in the inner workings of this, they don't get their feelings hurt easily. They, they keep fighting and they keep moving on. They keep trying to get the best players they possibly can and i think that georgia fans ought to take a uh, similar uh, i guess page here uh, you know and you know follow that note at themselves and um you know if, if you get a chance to get back involved again of course you want to do that you know brett i think of a familiar phrase from my high school years like whenever uh, an athlete or somebody on, on the football team or one of the teams got a lot of jewelry for christmas we had a coach that would say that oh it looks like you got a mr t starter kit for christmas well Really what the transfer portal starter kit is really simple when you're looking at the Georgia roster. you got to look for players at positions that have been there two or three years and are not playing and are already getting passed up this year by freshmen. Uh, you, look at, you look at positions where you know Georgia doesn't have that heir apparent or a guy that was really rolling with the twos right now. You, know, you look at safety, for instance. You know, Chris Smith's going to exhaust his eligibility, probably be a third-round pick, maybe a, a second-round pick in the NFL. Then you've got Malachi Starks. That's one position entrenched. Now, who are the other guys? David, David Daniels, Ivana? Sure. Uh, Ja'Cory Thomas? Yeah. Who else is there? You see what's going on with Dan Jackson, how he's 
he's missed most of this year and how much how much playing time Dan Jackson got a year ago for Georgia. You see guys like, you know, William Poole where it was able to play in their fifth year, very rare. Same thing for the Travis Brini. That's why to me it says Georgia needs a safety. Now you look at wide receiver, you look at, okay, what's going on there? Who's not playing in the 2021 class yet? Who's not playing that's been there forever? Uh, Kiers Jackson is a guy that I, don't, I think he has a super senior year. I don't think he will exercise it in Georgia. You start looking at all those positions in Georgia, wide receiver-wise, what might happen, and you see tight end is another position right there where you look at – folks, you can only look at the recruiting trail right now and see that Georgia has dedicated commitments from Pierce Sperling III and Lawson Lucky. They're, they're still going after uh, Deuce Robinson. They're going after uh, Walker Lyons in the 2023 class, the number five tight end in the country, even though he's going to satisfy a Mormon mission. It probably won't even be on campus until 2024 at the earliest. If that's not cards on the table, say in Georgia, is needing to add some dudes uh, and tie it in, given the fact that Darnell Washington will be a first or second round pick, and then the next year Brock Bowers will be a first round pick. You look where Georgia's browsing through the aisles. You know how everybody says Ren this time of year? You want to go and do Christmas buying? You don't want to go and do Christmas shopping? Well, Georgia is in the mood to find some tight ends for to add to their roster. We can certainly see that. All right, let's talk about running back for a moment. Obviously, had a big story this week with Justice Haynes. Not good news for Georgia fans, but it was certainly thorough reporting and a lot of quotes from Haynes about sticking with Alabama. Let me ask you this first, Jeff. And this is sort of a simple question, simple answer, then I want to kind of move on to what comes next here. Is that the one thing we had said about Justice Haynes a lot over the course of the last few weeks was – there was somehow some sort of rumbling and grumbling that Georgia might get involved here that really had nothing to do with any kind of public comments from Haynes whatsoever. That Haynes never said anything other than the fact that he was a steadfast Alabama commitment, and yet there had been this sense kind of in the atmosphere of, ooh, maybe things are changing, maybe Georgia's more involved here. So when the story that you wrote first came out with Haynes, I mean, I have to say my immediate reaction to this was, well, this is the same stuff we've been hearing from Justice for quite some time, and yet in this particular case, it actually does seem like it's final uh that that Haynes really is going to Alabama so so my point is is Jeff if Haynes never stopped saying the stuff that he said then how come people thought he was wavering in his Alabama commitment for a while I think it's probably I don't know whether it's wishful thinking but there's a large segment Brandon that they just sit there and I don't know if they have blinders on but they they look at the college football world and they say okay is Nick Saban going to be there for the balance of Justice's career in Alabama Maybe, maybe not. We're talking at least three seasons there. But then they also look at, you know, maybe, uh, I guess, a stock report evaluation. The ticker's way up for Georgia right now. Maybe the ticker for Alabama is flat, or maybe it dipped a year uh, this year. I would say it dipped this year because this is a rare thing where we don't see Alabama in the college football playoffs. Uh, you got Nick Saban out there dancing the Cupid Shuffle again. So certainly that shows you that they need to, that there has been a recruiting emphasis in this year. I think the other thing is that the legacy thing, and everybody thought eventually Georgia would keep chopping wood on this recruitment. They, we knew that Del McGee was never going to let up, uh, and that they also saw that he was there for the Tennessee game, and they know those late pushes were going to come in, and they thought maybe there would be a rally there. You know, for Justice, he said something very succinct to me. He's kind of kind of echoed that for a while, publicly, privately, whatever you want to say. But he said something where he said, Man, not only was this the best business decision, but this was the best feeling, feeling decision. And, and, you know, he kept saying, I kept praying on it. He said, I kept waiting, waking up, waiting for something to change. It hasn't changed. I think the big postscript of the 2023 class, and we're going to write all about this over the next four days, 
is you're going to look at this Georgia 23-3 class, and everybody's going to go, well, what about that guy? What about that guy? Or, Huge big miss in state. I'm going to say it's kind of phenomenal that Georgia can finish number two in the country without a quarterback and also missing on two big five-star in-state targets. But at the same time, this was big game hunting, Brandon. Let's, let's review this really quickly. It was Arch Manning or Bust at the quarterback position. And then at, at running back position, it was basically going to be Justice Haynes. Now, I got something coming on DogNation.com today that my fingers were burning to write to put together here on Roderick Robinson II. And here's a, here's a uh, Dog Nation daily guarantee from me. If you read this today and you're not, you don't run outside your cubicle or, or your doorway or your, your driveway and start Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods fist pumping about what we have to offer today on Robert Robinson II, I'll let you harp all you want about number 22 blazing for yards in Tuscaloosa. Anything you want to. Chirp me, find me on social media, but I think folks are going to be even more excited about Roderick Robinson days today when they get that on dognation.com yeah Robinson you know max preps player of the year in the state of California that's no small thing and it certainly seems like Jeff and maybe this is the kind of thing you would expect a host like me to say in light of the Haynes news but it certainly seems like Robinson is probably the least talked about uh Georgia commitment compared to what he should be discussed he had a phenomenal conclusion with his high school career uh, you know Dell McGee has kind of you know proven to really be able to have an eye for talent and he obviously locked in on Robinson a good time ago that in terms of the kind of game that he brings to the table and the kind of discussion that he's probably produced it probably is true that Robert Roderick Robinson has been a little overlooked by maybe guys like me and maybe UGA fans too you know, Brandon, I, I forget who did this, but sometimes with recruiting and all the minutia, everybody's wanting to know Jordan Big Baby Hall, Damon Wilson, Daniel Harris, what's going on with this crazy athlete out of Maryland Lane, Nichols Harbor, Deuce Robinson. You kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit because everybody's thinking about this. Someone, I don't know who it was, but whoever did, I, that was a very refreshing piece. I think somebody maybe put it on forum.dognation.com or somebody replied to a tweet on social media, Brandon. But they got into DeLorean for us, and they went back to um, they went back to the 2019 recruiting cycle, Brandon. And think about this for a second. When you think of 2019, I know you have a great recall, but remember what Georgia got in 2019? They went after Trey Sanders. That was kind of the big game hunt. Remember that? Remember that weekend when Georgia was that week when Georgia was trying to close on the Kobe Dean. They were trying to close on. Uh, Trey Sanders, you know, Noah Kane was was a guy there as well. Is, is that going to happen? Everybody, everybody almost almost thought, well, Georgia didn't get what they wanted there at the running back spot, right? And there was a young man by the name of Kenny McIntosh that Georgia did get yeah. in that class. And to me, Brandon, this has a lot of those feelings. Where you look at it, look what Noah Kane wound up. Everybody probably don't remember he went to Penn State. Then he transferred to LSU, folks. He was actually on the field returning kicks and kept carrying the ball for LSU in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Trey Sanders just graduated from Alabama with his degree. Awesome to see that, but a very uneventful uh, injury-marred, riddled career at Alabama right now. And You think about the running backs you do get, you don't get, and I think for me it's a proper filter to look at this where you go to Georgia, see Dejon Edwards, you go to Georgia, see Kenny McIntosh, you're going to have a healthy, thriving running back career. Now, is it going to be 1,500 yards and 300 carries? No, that's not the way they do things at Georgia. But if you look at the way, way the Georgia program is showcasing its running backs, 
the trans, the, you know, within a transfer portal era, if you look at the, the running backs that have came to Georgia so far, especially with this late close of the 2022 season with Kendall Milton, every running back that Dell signs and they plug into that Georgia lineup has a prosperous career. Uh, I think that's a very interesting point. Uh, Jeff, it's been fun to watch the rumor mill stuff the last couple of weeks, really last couple of months. I know you and I have spoken about this during this interview space many times as it relates to Damon Wilson. At one point in time, it sort of seemed like he was Georgia's. Then it sort of seemed like that Ohio State swooped in and got him. And there was all kinds of accusations about Georgia fans, how that happened. And it sort of seems like maybe now Georgia's kind of swooped back in. And now Ohio State fans are pointing the finger at Georgia. The rumor mill stuff back and forth on this has been really interesting i know it's a big weekend for wilson he's about to compete for state championship down there in florida but it's georgia ohio state in the college football playoff coming up is it still georgia ohio state for this tremendous five-star edge rusher as well yeah yeah it still is it's still uh you know it's kind of funny brandon um you're gonna have on saturday I believe it's at 1 p.m tyler williams uh is going to play for lakeland high school florida an undefeated high school team they're going to face Venice, uh, Venice, Florida. That's Damon Wilson's uh, major Georgia commitment, major Georgia commitment target, potential commitment target down the stretch here. Those two guys are going to face each other in the last game of their high school careers. Uh, I think it's really intriguing for Tyler because Tyler is going to be uh, packing up and going to bowl practices at Georgia next week. Uh, and yet you have two guys at the eyes of Dog Nation going at it in a big boy state championship game in the state of Florida is really going to be, be be pretty cool to pay attention to. Now, you really have deep sources on this one. They tell you that these two teams met in like a jamboree in the spring, and Lakeland was beating the brakes off of them. Uh, so I know some um, folks are more, uh, probably thinking that the dreadnoughts of Lakeland High School in Florida are going to come out with the win on that one. But, you know, Brandon, it's Damon Wilson. It's Jordan Big Baby Hall. It's hey, is, is there going to be a come-back-to-Georgia moment next week for uh, Daniel Harris, the talented cornerback out of Miami? What's going to happen with Walker Lyons? Um, you know, K.J. Jones, he's still taking an official visit uh, to, to Nebraska this weekend after his official visit to UGA last weekend. There's not as many names, and there's not as many, whoa, Nelly, here comes the big Kirby special flip that everybody's accustomed to. Uh, down the track in this. It's more of can Georgia hold serve and maintain maybe what most see is strong standings with both with both Wilson and Hall, and then everybody's going to be on the Deuce Robinson story until February for 2023 Georgia recruiting. All right, I want to come back to that, put a pin in that uh, a little bit, because I want to get a final thought from you in a moment about you know what we are looking at uh, for next week. You also mentioned the idea of early enrollees getting ready to go through a bowl practice. Uh, that's something you also wrote about this week at adognation.com. That's a story I'll invite everybody to check out. Jeff, uh, we don't have a ton of time here, so I'll make this kind of a little bit of a speed read for a moment, but you know give me your I guess kind of thumbnail of the guys that will be going through these practices. I mean, for me, it seems like we heard a lot of great buzz by Gabe Harris in his senior year. I know that for a while you were left to wonder, hey, will Harris even have a senior year just given the way that his transfer situation was handled here in Georgia? I mean, transferring from high school to high school and yet moving down to IMG seems to have done some good things for him. You know, Jamal Jarrett's another guy that I'm led to believe had a really good senior season here too. So that's a guy, you know, to have that big beefy frame as a defensive lineman, you know, going through these uh, bowl practices for Georgia. Give me kind of a just sort of a brief thumbnail sketch here of what you do think is interesting about the relatively long list of names that will be practicing with Georgia. 
Yeah, so it happens from time to time. It's kind of odd that the early signing period date is a year, is a week later this month where Georgia's got bowl practices before a lot of these guys will sign. Brent, I think it's really intriguing for some of these guys. Like I think Lawson Lucky, for instance, the Georgia legacy. Lawson is in Athens next week for bowl practices. He will leave Athens to go sign and have a signing ceremony at a local venue in Norcross. And then we'll go back to Athens that day to continue to finish the week of bowl practices. We wrote about these guys uh, on Dog Nation earlier this week, Brandon. I'm going to tell you, the recipe for a future Butkus Award winner uh, is going to be in Athens this week. Because uh, what I see is I see a young man, first off, it's twofold. You mentioned Jamal Jarrett. Brandon, he's 6'5 and about 350 right now. I'm going to say it. There's nobody on the Georgia roster quite like him right now. And I'm talking about that big space eater block sponge that is going to allow uh, a Nicobe Dean, uh, a Roquan Smith type through the annals of Georgia football to come downhill. And the perfect storm here is you've got a guy like Jamal Jarrett that will hold down, play zero tech, hold down a gap, you know, get into B gap as well. And that's going to allow a Raylan Wilson who has got a 10.91 in the hundred. He is going to be there for Georgia for bowl practices, as well as C.J. Allen. He's going to be there for bowl practices this week, guy. And, and, you know, for those guys, it is so busy, Brandon, because they've got last days of high school. They've got finishing up high school. They've got bowl practices at Georgia. They've got All-American games. And then they've got moving back into Georgia full-time for the foreseeable future for their football careers. And they're also starting college as well. Big flurry of activity for a lot of these guys. Um, Tyler Williams, we mentioned him. He's gotten a rankings boost, Brandon. He's all the way up to the number 85 player in the country. Gabe Harris, you mentioned him. He's number 88. Uh, Lawson Lucky is now the nation's number 148 overall prospect. Um, lots of guys are seeing those rankings continue to climb. Uh, and the fact that Georgia's going to have nine guys, I believe, might be 10, depending on the decision made by Samuel and Pimba. Uh, that are that are that are there for bowl practices, Brandon. And some of my favorite stories about this last year was 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 I remember Oscar Delp telling me he was in there, jumped in a drill, tried to block a guy, and that happened to be Trayvon Walker. And they were like, <laughs> "Yeah, you don't probably need, you probably don't you're probably not ready for that because that guy right there is one of the strongest players in college football <laughs> who would be the eventual number one overall pick." And then there was a great story last year. Michael Williams told me about it when he was beasting everybody in Texas last year. He's like, "You know what, man? I'm still kind of a little humbled." Because I tried to pull something with Jamari Salyer, and he's like, no, 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 man, freshman, this is the SEC, man. That's not going to work here. This isn't high school anymore. So that's a good comeuppance for a lot of these guys where, you know, traditionally these guys just get beat in the dirt, but they get a welcome to UGA football uh, this week in Athens, this coming week in Athens. All right, I want to get a final thought from you in a moment. Let me remind folks, though, we're on the road. This is to buy AAA with Jeff Sintel here right now. And, of course, you know we love AAA for legendary roadside assistance. I mean, we're traveling around, going to high school games, college games, holiday travel, whatever else. If something happens to us on the road, we know that AAA membership card gives us peace of mind that we'll be well taken care of and that the flat tire will be replaced or whatever needs to happen will happen uh, courtesy of our friends at AAA. But AAA is also a great name for you to know for insurance needs as well, including your auto insurance there too, because AAA has been doing auto insurance for a long time. You may know them for roadside assistance, but you ought to know them for their uh, great insurance options as well, including your auto insurance, because they have a 93 
93% satisfaction rate. Let's face it. If they're satisfying that many people for this number of years, that means that they are certainly doing some good work and they can do great work for you for your auto insurance needs as well. So give them a call 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. And you can find a branch near you. All right, Jeff, in the brief time that we have left, give me that snapshot one more time. You mentioned Jordan Hall. You mentioned Damon Wilson. You know, you, you start looking ahead to a guy like Deuce Robinson. You know, give me an idea of the names that will matter for Georgia next week and maybe kind of, I guess, if you want to start thinking about February stuff too. But just give me that snapshot from a calendar standpoint about that handful of names that we're really looking into with the early signing period as it begins next week as a way of kind of wrapping up our conversation here today. Let me, let me start with maybe – the way we look at the holiday meal. And these are the outskirt guys, the stretch guys. I'm talking about the congealed salad thing that maybe not going to happen to get on your plate for holidays, but it's still on the table. I think there's a, there's at least going to be some more dialogue between Georgia and Sadir Mitchell Jr. Uh, that's the Texas commitment, uh, the four-star defensive tackle. I do think that things, uh, what do we say on the Dog Nation forum? Sometimes the ship has sailed. ship has certainly sailed with Jeremiah Cobb, I feel like. Same thing I also already said to Justice Haynes. I think as you're starting to get closer to the entree names to look at right there, I think K.J. Jones out of Charlotte Christian, that's the guy who took his official visit to Georgia. He's taken two, he's taken two uh, visits relatively short time frame to Athens. He kind of likes what he sees there. Uh, the entrees, though, is Georgia going to get another, you know, what I see as a top 50 talent at corner in Daniel Harris. He was the guy that was committed. He decommitted. What was up with his brother? Was it a package deal? Was somebody going to get out of NIL? His brother was a top 50 overall recruit in the 2021 class. Was it Penn State? Well, he never committed to Penn State. Um, you've got Deuce Robinson. Let's put a pin in that, as you say, Brandon, because he's not going to sign until February, and he's going to be the number one tight end in the country, a top five-star prospect. He's 6'6", 220 pounds. If he chooses Georgia, he could have a Brock Bowers-type run. Uh, through Athens if he chose Georgia. He's also got some professional baseball to think about. But then, Brandon, the main courses, you know, whatever you consider your main things, your big dabs, your big dollops of whatever on your Christmas plate, um, Jordan Big Baby Hall, he's down to four. Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Florida. He's known for quite some time. There's Damon Wilson. It's Georgia, Ohio State. Brandon, it feels like every media outlet in the country that covers Ohio State, I think even the the elementary school journalism departments are sitting there crying at Georgia and talking about NIL when it comes to Damon Wilson, whether that's true or fabricated or embellished. A lot of Ohio State folks are mad about that recruitment. If it sounds like there's a lot of smoke there, that would be good for Georgia. I think that's what everybody's going to focus on. You know, you want to talk about a checklist. I think if Georgia could come out <clears throat> December 22nd and they can say they could have some sort of combination of four of the names of Big Baby Hall, Wilson, Daniel Harris, maybe Walker Lyons. We talked about earlier the tight end out of Folsom, California. He's a Folsom Bulldog. Maybe he becomes a Georgia Bulldog in 2024. I think those are the names that everybody's going to point to and say, what's left? What's going to happen? I think that's the, the really smart people, the really guys that are kind of tuned in and leaned in on this stuff. Those are the names to watch for. Jeff, great stuff. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. We'll look forward to reading a lot more about this from you 
over the course of the next few days, including a very, very busy week next week and signing day central ready to get cranked up there at dognation.com. That's going to be fun to see too. So Jeff, we'll read it from you at dognation.com and talk to you about it here on our program again next week. Hey man, allow me one more indulgence because I forgot to do this and quality control will ding me on my personnel report if I don't bring this up. Brandon, next week, Georgia will add a pair of four, three receivers in Yazid Haynes and Anthony Evans, the third to the bowl practice lineup in Athens next week. They're, they're committed, expected to sign. We'll be practicing at Georgia. We'll be at Georgia this weekend, practicing next week. Brandon, I know you, you're Mr. Wide Receiver. Give me more of that four, three speed. Well, that's on the way to Athens as well. I like that too, Jeff. Great stuff. Thanks so much. See you, man. Have a good weekend. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really fun stuff from uh, Jeff Sintel. Let me just say this about Jordan Hall, too. You know, Hall is a guy about to make a decision. This is a top 100 player in the country. Great defensive lineman out of that kind of Jacksonville area. He'll do that not on the start of early signing period, but the next day on the 22nd. Here's what I think is fun. And yesterday, Connor Riley and I were talking about a little bit of this off the air, and it kind of got me thinking because uh, Miami beat Florida for an offensive lineman yesterday. Most people kind of thought this was going to happen. But, you know, Connor had kind of mentioned something to me about that, and so it kind of got me looking a little bit here too. Do you all know, if you go to 24-7 Sports and you look at their rankings for the state of Florida, do you know that Florida currently does not have a single recruit, a single commit, from the top 20 rated players in the state of Florida. They have struck out on the entire state in the top 20 right now. And they're obviously battling Georgia for Jordan Hall right now. Um, And if Georgia is to win that battle, do you know how many recruits that that Georgia technically has from the state of Florida here this year? Now, some of these guys are guys like Gabe Harris playing at IMG Academy, not, not, not actual Floridians, but nonetheless... And for all the talk about Billy Napier and what he's doing at Florida, by the way, more on Florida in a moment, which I think is kind of funny. But for all the talk about Billy Napier and what he's doing here at Florida, and you know, when Napier first took the job, the big statement here was, "Hey, we're going to close the borders. We're going to we're going to go out there and we're going to get all these players from from the state of Florida." Huh. <laughs> I don't know how that's working out. Now, obviously, uh, Jordan Hall is a battle here down to the uh, wire, and so we'll see how it goes. But if George is able to win that one, uh, not quite the uh, world's best class of 2023 in state for billy napier and those lousy stinking gators you better believe we like to notice stuff like that around here and with that said we'll get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean it is cold right now wish it wasn't makes me wish that it was right now where i was last week which was on board one of the seas we had a great experience last week it was one of those deals where we had a chance to go on a quick getaway. Royal Caribbean invited us to be a part of it on board Wonder of the Seas. Wonder of the Seas is the largest cruise ship in the world. It's getting a new home right there in Port Canaveral. It's about to start sailing for everybody to be a part of. And we got a chance to get a little bit of a preview of that. And man, was it a good time. And like one of the things that I think is so much fun, not just about getting away from here in the winter when it's cold, but something else that I love about a Royal Caribbean cruise ship is the quality of the entertainment that's on board. We had a chance to experience some of that firsthand. We saw a, a high diving show. You know, there's the uh, there, uh, there's the Aqua Theater on the back of the ship, and sometimes when you see the video, you can kind of see the big uh, like amphitheater style thing they call an Aqua Theater right there on the uh, the back of the ship. And one of the things that they do there is they have this incredibly choreographed and and incredible almost like special effects that kind of go along with this it's like a high diving style show where you've got divers olympic style athletes that are jumping 60 feet in the air into the water uh below that and there's you know there's almost like a high wire act 
that goes along with this too the, the the kind of entertainment you're getting on board the ship is is just amazing and it was kind of fun on the last night of the cruise so we go to see this show after dinner and then right after that we kind of rolled right over to what they call studio b which is the ice skating rink and there's portions during the day when you can actually ice skate yourself but at night they have these really amazing ice skating shows and once again you're talking about olympics you know caliber athletes who are doing the ice skating this is like the kind of thing that you would pay big dollars for and it's just included as a part of your royal caribbean cruise vacation one of the reasons why we love the cruise vacations of the royal caribbean so much is just because of the quality of the entertainment they have on board it's just kind of one of those things that all of this in one place we just wouldn't really get this very much in life if not for the stuff that royal caribbean can provide for us and so it's also kind of a part of the fun we're all going to have together coming up this april uh on board independence of the seas with um the second ever dog nation cruise so our good friend jessica slater has put a great website together it's called royaldogs.com royaldogs.com you can go there you can find out more information about independence of the seas and the great fun we're going to have on the dog nation cruise you can also give jessica a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 talk to her let her answer your questions it's getting crunch time it's getting time to go ahead and get signed up and get uh, ready to uh, locked in and ready to go for this dog nation cruise and we can't wait to have you as a part of that I come bearing tidings of great joy here today because I'm here to let you know that the bowl season officially begins today. In fact, about the time we wrap up today's show, uh, you'll start to have the first uh, of the bowl games. And so for the next like couple of weeks, you're going to have football games at very weird times. Like the uh, the Bahamas Bowl today is at like 1130 or something like that. Yeah, it's 1130 here today. you got afternoon game on Monday. So between the NFL stuff and the bowl stuff, it's like football wall to wall between now and well past the new year. So this is all really fun stuff. Let me do a little bit to kind of preview some of this for you. And I realize that, you know, these aren't all huge games for everybody, but some of you have like those bowl confidence things. Some of you are just betters and you want to get some action down on this. So the Bahamas Bowl, and by the way, I love the locations for the early pre-Christmas bowl games. They're always like these really interesting places. And it always seems like some of the cooler bowl games are the ones that actually take place prior to Christmas because they they always going to take place in sort of weird spots the bahamas bowl for instance that's been the site of some really good bowl games over the years some kind of wild back and forth action so you've got miami of ohio against uab and here's what i'm gonna tell you in this particular game the blazers are a pretty big favorite they're like 11 and a half something like that you know double digit favorite at least against uh, miami of ohio and here's what i'm telling you if you're a confidence uh you know uh bowl pool type person and you just sort of go through there and use the point spreads as your way of establishing your confidence in the game be real careful with uab here be very very careful this is a little bit of a lame duck situation you know jay cutler is about to become uab head coach previous coaching staff on their way out um i think this is a little bit of a messy situation for uab team which on paper is obviously better than miami Ohio. But um, I think you're left to wonder what the level of motivation is for the Blazers kind of right before they begin a new era with Jay Cutler coming in as head coach. I'd be real careful here. Uh, Chris Felica, the bear from ESPN, or I guess now a Fox Sports, used to be of ESPN. He had a couple of interesting notes. Uh, Miami of Ohio is out of the Mid-American Conference. Uh, the Mac's been pretty bad in bowl games for a long time. Actually, the last couple of years, they've been a little bit better. So I believe, uh, is it the Red Hawks that what Miami of Ohio is? I believe the uh, Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio might rise to the level of being a little bit of a play for me. Uh, UTSA and Troy is the, uh, it's the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Did you know, I believe I'm right about this, this is the only, comp- should say the only bowl game this year that features conference championship winners pitted against each other. I believe I'm right about that. 
this is the only matchup of conference champs in all of bowl season. It takes place in Orlando also today. Tomorrow, you've got Cincinnati and Louisville playing at Fenway Park. I like football games that take place in weird places, and Fenway Park is obviously a pretty weird place. You've got both teams on the same sideline, uh, but you've also got the weirdness here of the fact that <laughs> Scott Satterfield's actually leaving Louisville to take on the Cincinnati job at the end of this year. Now you've got Cincinnati and Louisville playing against each other. Obviously, Luke Fickle's moved on to Wisconsin. So this is sort of the Scott Satterfield Bowl and the fact that his old team is playing his new team. Uh, what a strange scenario that is. You've got uh, Jackson State, North Carolina Central in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, how about tomorrow? You've also got Florida and Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. And let me tell you this. Checking our friends at my bookie right now. Florida is a 10-point underdog to Oregon State. Now, we understand why Anthony Richards not playing this game. you got a million other opt-outs for uh, Florida, and Oregon State's actually been pretty good this year. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're Florida, you better be very, very careful. You cannot get blown out by Oregon State. And here's what I'm going to tell you. This game takes place in Las Vegas. Um, for a long time, Pac-12 teams have been saying, hey, we want a shot to play an SEC team in the Pacific time zone because they sort of feel like that a lot of their matchups against the SEC are always like Oregon coming to play Georgia and Atlanta, one of those deals where they have to travel from west to east to get here to take on the SEC team. And one of the battle cries out there for a while, and this may not be accurate, but this is what they say, that, hey, we want to play an SEC team in the Pacific time zone. In fact, in future years, uh, Las Vegas is going to become a little bit of a neutral site, week one type situation much like say dallas and orlando and charlotte and atlanta like those week one non-conference neutral site games las vegas is going to start trying to be a bit more of a location for those kinds of games and the pac-12 welcomes this because they want to play sec teams on the west coast and that's going to give them a chance to do some of that from time to time so oregon state gets to do what pac-12 teams have said for a while they want to do which is play an sec team in the pacific time zone so Oregon State's probably motivated for this. They're also probably, probably they're a pretty good team. Uh, I have no idea what kind of opt-out situation they're dealing with. But during the year, they were really very good, and they're a 10-point favorite here against Florida. And you understand why all that is because of what Florida doesn't have. But you're also an SEC team. Your backup's supposed to be pretty good. So if you're number twos, number threes, if you're second and third string guys, if your depth goes to Las Vegas and gets embarrassed by Oregon State, that's not good for Billy Napier, especially when this 2023 class thus far is not exactly the breakout class he hoped it might be. I mean, it's one thing to have belief, oh, Billy Napier's building something at Florida. But at some point in time, you have to give some sort of tangible proof to justify that belief. And nobody really cares about the Las Vegas Bowl for the most part. But you can't go out there and lose in, in embarrassing fashion. You can't go out there and get blown out. And to stare at a double-digit point spread, <laughs> that could be pretty interesting. So uh, we may all be Beavers fans here this weekend with, as it relates to Florida because I would love nothing more than to laugh at their misery. A couple of others really really quickly. Uh, you got the, what is this, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? Oh, I'm not sure about that. It's Washington State at Fresno State. You got Rice and Southern Miss in the Lending Tree Bowl. Uh, this is not a bad game. Uh, New Mexico Bowl between SMU and BYU. Another one of those deals where kind of a cool location for the game. Uh, I think that's uh, kind of fun between SMU and B BYU. You've seen the point total dramatically drop in that game because of some opt-outs. Also, BYU is dealing with an injury to its quarterback. This was like a 
points, uh, I should say a point total in the 70s at one point in time. I think we've lost about a touchdown off that total over the course of the uh, last uh, little bit. And then let's get to Monday here where you got Marshall and UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Another kind of fun location for a game. That's 2.30 on Monday. I'll tell you this, too. You look at the spread on this game from our friends at MyBookie. You have got Marshall as an, also a 10-point favorite against uh, UConn. Obviously, a lot of the plays in bowl games kind of come down to what is your assumption on motivation? Here's my assumption. UConn even making a bowl game was a very big deal. Uh, this was a team that on paper to begin the year with Jim Moore Jr.'s coach was sort of viewed to be one of the worst teams in the country. They have clearly exceeded their expectation on that. Doesn't that sort of feel like a team that may have hung a uh, mission accomplished banner? I mean, doesn't, so that, doesn't that sort of feel like mission accomplished has been kind of uh, hanging in the rafters there in stores, Connecticut here and getting out of a Connecticut winter coming down to Myrtle Beach? Does that feel like a team that wants to play a football game or does that feel like a team that wants to enjoy the Miracle Mile? To me, it sort of feels more latter than former uh, there on that. Uh, for Charles Huff and Marshall, that's a little bit more of a real team. They beat Notre Dame a little earlier this year. That's why they're obviously favored in a game like this. So Jim Moore Jr. is a good coach, I think, and he's clearly done an amazing job at UConn. They uh, beat Liberty late in the season, you know, things like that. So we have kind of touted the, the work that Moore was doing at UConn. But it sort of feels like a team that's coming down south for a vacation more so than to play a football game. So... If you're gambling-minded, this is one of those favorites I probably do like. If you're a confidence pool person, Marshall might get sort of my higher confidence pool pick status for this game against UConn coming up on Monday. You can do your own research and do with that what you please, but that's sort of my thought there on that. Uh, bowl season getting underway will make that cruise run the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And by the way, speaking of those point spreads from my bookie, whether it be Florida's a big dog or Marshall's a big favorite or whatever else, anything in between on all of that, if you want to get some action down on bowl games, let's face it, I'm sort of just sort of grasping at straws and kind of <laughs> – just trying to grab whatever I can in terms of what's going to happen in some of these bowl games. Some of you know far more about it than I do. And if you do, you can put your money where your mouth is right now with our friends at MyBookie. In fact, when you use the promo code DOGNATION, you're actually going to get your first deposit matched up to $1,000. Here's what that means. You put in 400 bucks into your account, MyBookie's also going to put 400 bucks into your account. So you have like $800 in your account before you even win your first bet. That's what we say when, uh, when it comes to our friends at MyBookie, that it's winning season right now at MyBookie. You're a winner before you place your first bet. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. What a fun time to be uh, getting action down on games with bowl season doing what it's doing with the NFL playoffs kind of looming here and down the stretch in the regular season. You've got all of that going on right now at MyBookie. So here's what you do. Go to the internet, type MyBookie into your browser. The internet will then do the work for you. And then when you get to MyBookie, use the promo code DOGNATION to get the big first deposit bonus. So find MyBookie online, promo code DOGNATION, all one word spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G. Then after that, you get the big first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with our friends at MyBookie. Of course, we're looking forward to a great weekend. And around here, that means a big finish to conclude our week. And, of course, for us, that also means our friends at The Finish Long Drink. And not only do we love The Finish Long Drink ourselves, we love it when you showcase how much you love our friends at The Finish Long Drink, including our buddy Seth Rhodes, who shared this. this is really funny. He's, uh, once again, boy, Seth plays a lot of golf. I mean, I am jealous of Seth because he finds his Windwell Golf Course a lot, uh, and so we certainly give him credit for that. And he writes in on Twitter to say, even when a finished long drink isn't available, I do my best to pretend I have one in my hands. What he's got is a beverage of some note. 
covered up by that finished long drink uh, koozie, which is well done by Seth. Uh, good job. Seth O'Fett, as he's called on uh, Twitter. So uh, good stuff there by Seth Rhodes. Glad to see him enjoying the finished long drink, or at least a reasonable facsimile thereof. And that is our big finish today, presented by the finished long drink. And by the way, if you want to be like Seth and try the finished long drink and figure out why folks like Seth enjoy it as much as they do, well, this is your chance to do that. Go to the website, thelongdrink.com. And while you're there, you can see the four different long drink varieties, the long drink cranberry, the long drink strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, that's no carbs, no sugar, long drink traditional in the blue can. It's got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. It's really fun to have for you're watching football, you're doing the, the bowl stuff, you're getting ready for the big game coming up on December 31st, or if you've got your holiday party coming up here there as well. The finished long drink goes great with all of that. So just simply find them online at thelongdrink.com, and you can figure out where you can pick up some today, on the golf course like Seth is, or at the bar, beverage store near you, whatever your choice. The long drink's there for you, so find them online at thelongdrink.com. All right, so uh, a couple of golden shoes to give out today, including when we're done, kind of a listener request that I'll explain to you. But first, let me show you our first one here. Uh, great golden shoe going out here, and we'll uh, show that to you on the screen, and we'll give a little bit of a shout-out here to a Jesse Smith. How about this by Jesse? We have such talented people in our audience. So Jesse made this. He says, I'm ready for a run at Go for 2 and 22. Send me your address, and I'll uh, send one of these up to you from Wisconsin. So Jesse has made this it's like a hat but it's like a big georgia football player kind of type thing here it's like a costume almost this is amazing by jesse so well done what a talented guy he is and jesse we'd love to have one of those showcase that around here that'd be great to see so jesse will give you a golden shoe and remind folks to check him out there and you can see what jesse's making amazing stuff mad dog sends this to us this is from the uh peach bowl press conference this week he says kirby looks like he's having his mug mugshot taken so you see the picture of kirby on the left with a uh, gary stoken and uh, josh brooks kirby not exactly smiling and mad dog kind of pulls that out and puts that on a kind of a police lineup type deal <laughs> yeah kirby listen kirby doesn't like having his practices interrupted for these kind of bold press conferences that's probably why you're not really seeing kirby smile right there the pop and circumstance the pageantry that the bowl season requires doesn't always match up particularly well with kirby's personality so uh, mad dog that is pretty funny stuff and i'll obviously appreciate using that hashtag go for two in 22 and then finally there's this so one of our great uh, commenters, Randy Hall, who kind of pops around from a couple of different comment sections, had put a request yesterday, the famous photo of Jalen Carter holding up Jaden Daniels and giving you the, the number one finger in the air. He said he wanted to see that uh, with Todd McShay. <laughs> instead of uh of Jaden daniel so our buddy frankie fibonacci wrote sent wrote in to say i heard this is how they handle quote uh character issues down in athens maybe ask kirby smart if you can confirm this is how they handle those issues in house and you see Jalen carter holding up todd mcshay right there that's uh, really funny by frankie fibonacci we also got another really good one of these as well our buddy jermaine king sent one of these to us i'll show that to you on monday i don't have time for that today uh it just came in right before the show came in so we'll show you jermaine's version of this on monday day but great job by frankie we will give you a, a golden shoe as well especially since you use the hashtag golden shoe and the hashtag go for two in 22 as well because that's what we're doing around here we are go for two in 22 and we're also thinking about 2023 as well going back to jacksonville to beat up on those lousy sneaking gators 316 days from right now in fact dog nation daily 316 says well you know what that says but nonetheless uh, 316 days from right now that is our gator hater countdown y'all have a great weekend enjoy it we'll see you back here monday dog nation daily presented by croaker we'll look forward to talking to you then 
and on the podcast. I'm now at the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. You can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They take good care of you and all that, including that water heater. If that water heater goes out, in many cases at R.S. Andrews, you can get it replaced the same day, but you need to find them online at rsandrews.com. Our buddy Mark Morris, who's always such a great commenter, weighs in on the subject of the Jalen Carter thing, which is in a lot of ways going to dominate the week. He says, we're all fighting mad over the McShay comments. Hopefully it's going to be fuel for Jalen and the entire team. Well, I'm sure you've already seen a lot of the teammates step up in support of Jalen Carter, which does matter, man. I'm telling you right now it matters that you see lots of evidence that Georgia players enjoy playing with each other. And football to me is always an interesting thing because it takes 85 guys to make a scholarship count, right? You know, a baseball team can be 20-something guys. You know, a basketball team can be 10, 15 guys. But a football team is like, in college level, it's like 85 scholarship players. And when you count walk-ons, things like that, too, you get more than 100 guys on a team. Even the NFL, you get the 53-man roster. The point is, the size of a football roster is going to dictate that you've got people from all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different you know, you know, places they're from, stories of what their life was like before they came to football. You can't field you can't uh, fill a football roster. You can't field a football team without having a lot of different kinds of players on a roster. And yet, every indication you get, every every sense that you get about Georgia, is that no matter what the backgrounds of the Georgia players are, they seem to genuinely enjoy playing with each other. And that's a really cool thing to see. It's something that I think that Georgia has worked very hard to craft as kind of a personality of this team. The connection they have with each other. Kirby Smart talks about that a lot. And I don't believe that's just lip service when he says it. So no doubt you've seen a lot of Georgia players coming to the defense of Carter uh, lately, which I think is really uh, appropriate. And to Mark's other point about how Jalen's likely to respond to this, a guy that's already playing at such a high level for Georgia, he may be even more motivated to come out and show what he's all about against Ohio State in the college football playoff. And that is a really fun thing to see. And Listen, I don't know what motivated Todd McShay to do what he did. I really don't. But as I said during the regular show today, a little earlier in this broadcast, it's fairly obvious here that whatever McShay thought he was going to do, it's not going to be quite so easy for him to just sort of throw this out there and then move on to the very next thing and you know, cast this as some sort of narrative that, that he's going to be called into account for what he has done. This is kind of broken through the clutter of, well, people on TV just say all kinds of crazy stuff. This is one of those things that's kind of gotten some extra tension beyond just kind of our bubble of dog nation here. So I think the ball is in McShay's court now. Either backtracks off this and openly recounts it, um, or maybe he just kind of tries to quietly move off of it as a point of view. But one way or another, it sort of feels like McShay has sort of stepped into something that I don't know that he quite knew that he was stepping into when he said what he said. So good for Dog Nation for sticking up for one of their own and exciting to see uh, how Jalen Carter responds to all this with his play in the college football playoff. Great point by Mark Morris, our commenter there, and great to have all of you with us here for our podcast, Cooldown, presented by R.S. Andrews. Find them online, rsandrews.com. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric. Uh, go ahead and get that heating system tuned back up. It's going to be cold this weekend, which means winter is really kind of here. It's Christmas time, and you'd expect nothing less. So go ahead and get your system tuned back up so you can stay toasty and warm all winter long. Find them online at rsandrews.com. You'll have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then.